Everybody, welcome to another installment of Show to Be with Mike G, the show of life, the show of Ireland, eggs, wrestling, and the world's largest Irish coffee. Today's guest is the amazing Tim Hurley of Tullamore Dew, U.S. brand ambassador. No better time to talk about Irish whiskey, Tullamore Dew, with the recent release of the rum cask finished Tullamore Dew. South by Southwest 2018 is upon us, and just this Sunday is St. Paddy's Day. Tim was recently in town with the wonderful Jack, also of Telemore Dew. Sat down and talked about life, eggs, eating, drinking, wrestling, and so much more. So without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy this great chat with Tim Hurley of Telemore Dew. <laughs> uh, I, I love eggs, but I went through it. That's the first time I've ever been compared to a point. <laughs> and, but it's eggs is a big part of my life. Yeah. Right? Like, I like eggs. I know how to do lots of different styles of eggs. Yeah. But I did go through a wee rebellious phase when I was a kid. Like, you know, the way you discover that your parents aren't yeah. cool at all. Right, right. So, what's the best way of rebelling against your parents? It was eggs for me. <laughs> and I went through probably. Probably a six-year phase of, like, I don't like eggs. Uh, meaning, I just don't like my dad. Right, uh, right. <laughs> but I'm not doing what you tell me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was, maybe it was a product of being overfed eggs as a kid. Yeah. You know, and just one day I said, no, enough is enough. <laughs> uh, after, you know, years, decades of every meal, three meals a day being eggs. Right. So, um, yeah, now I love eggs. They're brilliant food. <clears throat> it's the most versatile thing you can have. Absolutely. And oddly enough, I've kind of found eggs and whiskey come together. So okay. I, a whiskey sour is the combination oh, that's of good. my two worlds. That's, yeah. that's a good point. The the hybrid, the convergence of your past life and your current life. Yeah, completely. Well, so since there are so many different ways to eat eggs, <laughs> 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 the versatility and even you talking about expanding in the cocktail... What's the just the quintessential way for you? How do you like to eat an egg? So lunch is soon for me. This is I'm just kind of stimulating my appetite here yeah, too. Yeah, I'm, so. <laughs> I'm a big scrambled egg lad. Um, but I realized when I moved to America that that's a little bit more complicated than I first realized because I don't know any other country in the world that goes, you know, how would you like your eggs? Right. And I'll go into having brunch or a restaurant, and they're like, "How would you like your eggs?" And you're kind of paralyzed by choice. And yeah. the time I realized that the most um, was when I got scrambled. I thought, end of the question, sure. dealt with. Um, and I was like, would you like a dry or a wet scrambled? Sir? What the hell? Where'd you get that option? I've never got that option. So that was, I'm like, oh, how do I answer this? A medium? Um, <laughs> what's, a, what's a blend of both? Yeah, exactly. A, mo- give, a moist egg. <laughs> well, t- tell you what, give me half and half, and then I can have a more informed decision for the Very, rest of my life. Brilliant, yeah. And so, yeah. Scrambled egg would be my go-to. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. I'm a good three-minute egg guy, though. That's a, well, I think yeah. that's good too. I mean, man, I just love eggs and the versatility there. Now, I'm the thing is, is it, maybe it seems like I'm fixated on eggs, but no, 
It's actually a parallel to Irish whiskey. So I am going to pull this all together, I assure I'm you. I'm excited to hear this, yeah. So bacon, okay? This is the other thing because I love English breakfast. I love Irish breakfast. Had some had the pleasure of spending some time in Cork and I, every morning is like eating that, the, the blood black pudding and all of that, mm-hmm. you know? You like the bacon better here? No way. No way. Uh, okay. No, Irish rashers are a staple of the Irish breakfast. Yeah. Like uh, for anyone that doesn't know, an Irish breakfast is, of course, it's got some Bellevue eggs. Yeah. No Irish breakfast is complete without my family's stock of eggs. And <laughs> uh, you have... Now, for me, you have sausage, uh, Irish rasher, which is a thick-cut bacon. Yeah. Um, my preference would be Denny, but uh, you also have black and white pudding. Love and that. It's an I Irish delicacy. It. Yeah. Um, for anyone that might be put off by this, it's a blood pudding and a separate pudding. The white pudding is made from intestines. Right. A bit of an Irish delicacy may sound a bit traumatic, but for anyone that's not into it, I will certainly eat their leftovers. Yeah, it's a am- um, black pudding is one of the greatest things ever. And yeah. once you start getting winter spices in there, I had I was in Chicago last weekend, yeah, and I had some. It was the best black pudding I ever had because they had like allspice and cinnamon mm-hmm. in there. I was like, oh. Jesus, yeah, blew and me away. You're getting great black puddings as well as in the Irish breakfast. I always like mine with a bit of mushroom as well. Oh yeah, oh yeah, uh, tomato too, typically right. Is I was having a so I was back in <laughs> Dublin and I, this is last month and we went to my favorite Irish breakfast in Dublin is a pub called Slackery's. Okay. And it's my favorite Irish breakfast for a couple of reasons. And uh, the pub opens at seven o'clock in the morning. Mm. Uh, it's an early house in Dublin and it's the only early house that serves food. This happens to be not only my favorite Irish breakfast in Dublin, it's also Anthony Bourdain's favorite Irish no breakfast. No shit. Okay. So, you know, that's probably the end of the similarities. It's a little bit like back <laughs> to the porn star of me. Sure. That's my one link Just to Anthony Bourdain. Yeah. You got that, you, the, the brooding masculinity. That's a good thing. You got that, Tim. You got that but golfer. the thing that I was wondering was, what right does the tomato have being in an Irish breakfast? Mm. Where did that come from? Because Ireland isn't exactly known for its tomato growing. Right. And it's just a weird thing. But I, it, is, it is commonplace though, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. It's a staple. Like, and I don't know the history behind that because it's it's odd. Yeah, it know? is. Why the tomato? We're at one stage where we like apple, tomato, tomato wins. <laughs> um, I just don't know. I don't know. It's um, a, it is kind of just a strange configuration there. Yeah. you Because know? everything else makes a lot of sense, even yeah. color-wise. Mm-hmm. Maybe it is just a symbol of the brightness and the optimism that you need because it's always so goddamn dreary in Ireland. <laughs> but <laughs> Weather-wise, yeah, that well, is it. Yeah, like it's <laughs> in a plate full of meat. Yeah. There you have this uh, this crazy fruit. There, the notion you know? of and, healthiness. Yeah, right? and I, I'd take it where we don't need to go into is it a veg, is it a fruit? <laughs> no, no, like yeah. it's, it's It's what, good. That's the phrase, you know, yeah. knowledge is knowing a tomato is... <laughs> Fruit wisdom <laughs> is knowing not to put it in a fruit salad. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, the application of knowledge. But so we've mm. been talking about food. But this is all to say that Ireland is very close to its food. It's very close to its livestock. The cheese, the butter is remarkable there, and whiskey as well. A big part of the culture. So mm. for you, was it always because this is your fa- your family's business? How long kind of was it? Single generation, multi generation? It's a single generation. My dad started it when he was seventeen. Wow. He. Uh, Always wanted to be a pharmacist, uh, really? but didn't have... So my grandfather was a pharmacist, but my dad didn't have the grades to go into pharmacy. Yeah. And we had a small bit of land, uh, not big enough to do dairy or any kind of arable farming. So it was actually a choice between uh, pigs or 
or egg farming. Okay. So because that was the amount of land we had, it had to be some kind of intensive farming. Sure. And thankfully, he picked eggs. Um, and started off with two thousand hens. Today we have eighty thousand, but we would uh, pack, distribute, and deliver um, basically two hundred forty thousand hens worth of eggs. That so it's one point seven million eggs a week. That's crazy. Is what we do, yeah. So here's the interesting thing. That sounds like growth, business growth. It sounds like success as well in yeah. terms of revenue, just to put it in that perspective. Yeah. So seeing your family start with a very small business and having it grow immensely, mm-hmm. does that change the means for you guys? Like the housing that you can live in, the opportunities, traveling, all that stuff. Yeah, well, well we stayed in the same house. Did you? Um, yeah, it's down the road. It's Obviously, the egg farm isn't in an urban center, right. so it's... <laughs> It's actually down the lane. Um, it's the egg farm and uh, the house is there. I'm, I love our family home. Yeah. I've been in it since day one. Uh, so I think things changed for my family similar to how things changed in Ireland for everyone. Yeah. Um, so there was we went through a massive boom growth period and kind of as I was growing up, really. Yeah. Um, so, you know, international travel was than a thing um whereas before going to dublin was a big mission really? i remember that like we're from rural ireland yeah uh, so it was a maybe we go to dublin once a year twice a year and it's crazy it's how uh, far it's not that far no it's only it's only an hour drive oh jesus uh, i thought it was a little bit far yeah, yeah but but before that it would have been the road network has improved yeah but um yeah we kind of grew initially the egg farm was only delivering to local areas but yeah. then we started delivering into dublin and then that's how i started to to get to know dublin and the rest of the country basically you'll hear people knowing their city or country through pubs yeah whereas me it was uh through convenience stores and supermarkets uh, basically places that would sell eggs yeah that's how i know so if you ever hear me giving you directions <laughs> ask for it in pub speak rather than <laughs> You know, you're two 7-Elevens and a Walmart and a Kroger away. You know, that's, I like it both ways. Yeah. I think that's kind of a brilliant way to look at it. Yeah. But it, Ireland experienced this big boom. And it seems like you, you know, your father didn't have the grades for mm-hmm. to be a pharmacist. But you seemed very driven looking at your kind of academic career. Was that an expectation from your folks? That, Tim, you got to go to university. You well, have to do this. So in Ireland, we're pretty lucky. We have um, free third level education. It's probably the greatest thing we've ever brought in in terms of policy. Yeah, it's amazing. So my parents, it wasn't free education, but my generation, yes. And that kind of meant that there was this opportunity for a whole generation to go to college, something that was always kind of like the goal um, for your parents. So I was lucky in that sense. Like, I I think the cost of, the actual cost of me going to, um, third level was 1,500 euro a year. Good Lord. And we, we were up in arms. It says it's free. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, so a master's degree here cost me 80 grand. Yeah, well, master, master's is... But it's is still more, cheaper. It's it, got to be, right? Yeah, master's is more expensive. That, that would count as like fourth level. But in terms of your degree, yeah. um, that, that's that's free. Once you have the grades, um, it's, it's free. That's and amazing. It's so it's, you know, it's on par with being a doctor or an accountant or whatever. Yeah. Um, now, college isn't for everyone, but no, if you want to go that route, it's fantastic in Ireland. So we've had a far more educated workforce than ever before, which is actually probably why we host a lot of American companies, Yeah. Uh, as well as 
low corporate tax, but that's a different thing. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it, genu- about that. it genuinely is something amazing that uh, policies brought in. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, my jaws kind of drop because yeah. I would love to not have to pay yeah. back these loans. Yeah, you know, and that's the American way. Yeah, with the in terms of education and everything. But you being familiar with commerce because your yeah. father owns this business, you're traveling, probably helping deliver yeah. eggs and all of this. Yeah. That was a pretty good bit oh, of interest in that field. oh the the table talk or the learning by osmosis at the dinner table was yeah. incredible like it was and that was kind of why i got into the world of business and um that's why i did a business degree that's later why i did a, a master's but it was always tied to food yeah um and late and later whiskey so it's that's it's some some kind of consumable right yeah Man, I love, you know, I'll have my phone, like, even if it's on sound, I'll have it on my desk. And if it's on a piece of paper, it's like a fucking amplifier. It's like, <laughs> I can't even like be on the phone. It's crazy how this resonation happens. But food has been a big part of your life. Mm-hmm. Consumables, if you will. Mm-hmm. And you, when you get all this stuff kind of done, right? So you finish yeah. at university. Were your eyes set on something more global? Were you thinking about moving out of Ireland? No, um... My first taste of moving abroad was I did. Um, I went to New Zealand, yeah, and that was part of another great scheme at Irish University was what we call Erasmus years. So I went over to New Zealand. There was a study abroad exchange, yeah. and I always joke around. Yeah, I went to learn the language. <laughs> um, so I was lucky enough to go there for the guts of a year. That's um, it's an amazing country, but that was kind of my first big travel, yeah. um, particularly to live and. I kind of felt I was on the Truman Show because I traveled for 24 hours to get from Ireland to New Zealand uh-huh. only for it to look like the south of Ireland, the place called County Kerry. And it's like, no it's, kidding. It's something up here. Like, okay, there's penguins going around here, <laughs> but uh, it looks remarkably like Ireland. And, know you know, it's now there's a lot happening in New Zealand, but the place that I was, a place called Dunedin, uh, was very reminiscent of Ireland in terms of geography, landscape, yeah. uh, even people. Like uh, New Zealanders are very similar to the Irish and I guess have a similar-esque attitude to, towards their bigger brother neighbor of yeah, Australia that we would to, <laughs> to uh, the UK. But yeah. it's, yeah, lovely, lovely people, amazing country. Yes, it's funny that it's like, all right, all right, I'm going to get ready to travel here. Mm. And I'm going to go to a place that feels like next door, <laughs> which is so strange to me. But it, and it doesn't feel different. So you come back and you're thinking, okay, well, I guess that's a sign. I should probably stick around. Yeah, it was kind of, I done, I kind of was like, I'd done my travel. The idea was I was going to come back and the play was to join the father and, and work, you know, build an egg empire together and rule it with an iron fist. An egg pyre. An egg pyre, yeah. <laughs> The exceptional egg empire. Yeah. Uh, but, and what I did after that was I wanted to get to learn um, kind of the, so our family business at that time was selling to convenience stores. Uh, right. So you're 7-Elevens essentially. Right. But we weren't selling eggs to uh, your Walmarts, your Kroger's. Your, the big, big chains. Yeah. yeah. And I wanted to learn a bit about that business. So I worked for a company called uh, Danone. You, you guys mm-hmm. call it Danon. Uh. Uh, well, it is spelled differently over here. And they have an infant nutrition area. So I was selling baby food was my job. Now, I wasn't going over to women rubbing bellies and saying it's time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Papa Tim's get some food for it, her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was. I was selling into the grocery stores and uh, th- that way. Yeah. So I learned tons about that. 
And that, that was really interesting. It was first job out of college. They give me a company car and you sell baby food. So that was a little odd. But uh, <laughs> I, I love that kind of stuff. Like, yeah. you should see me in a grocery store. I'm a terror to go shopping with because I'm so fascinated by kind of the science and psychology of grocery stores. You know, right. when you walk in, it's always uh, fresh fruit and veg. And, and the thinking behind that is, oh, well, you know, I'll get all the healthy things for me. Then I'll feel less guilty about all the other You're crap totally I right. buy. Um, and even just, like, I geek out massively on planograms. Mm-hmm. So the... Planic- oh, man, yeah, it came from retail. Yeah, I know exactly. The, the store layout and, yeah. you know, why, what, you know, the, whether it's left to right, whether, right. Or where it's positioned on the shelf, and not just eye level, but just that, that fascinates me. It's crazy. Um, and you know what? It's really not that different, and I know it's probably not as artful, yeah. but it is like curating an exhibit. Right? Oh, yeah. It totally is because you're yeah. trying to create an experience, but yeah. at the end of this experience, it is to drive you to buy something. Yeah. And then the periphery is mm-hmm. always kind of like the easy to grab stuff, you know? Yeah. It's or, really. Or like in convenience stores, they put like the, the milk, the bread, uh, the stuff down at the back so yeah. that you have to pass through all everything. the rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> and, and there's stuff where I, like the IKEA layout, you know, oh, the way dear. you have to navigate that. Um, and I always think that's interesting the way stores do that. I think right. that IKEA intentionally tries to capture at least two people each shift because it's like mm-hmm. they're going to send you to a warehouse of which you'll never return. <laughs> <laughs> there is that annual of IKEA every single time. But yeah. again, yeah. a brilliant place. So I can see all these kinds of thoughts. And you're mm. like, okay, so I'm getting some understanding of consumer behavior, mm-hmm. getting understanding of how maybe groceries work, the layout of people, yeah. maybe what they like to eat right, or yeah. what they like to buy. And so mm-hmm. this is, seems like it's the perfect thing. Perfect insider info to bring back to dad. Yeah, exactly. And uh, somewhere along that, I got very, I got maybe a little derailed in a nice way. Um, I decided to work for the Irish Food Board. Interesting. So this was really cool. Um, Basically, Aaron was going through a bad time at that point. Mm. And the Irish Food Board decided to, okay, we're going to launch a response to this. And so they hired 25 people to work with high growth and export oriented food and drink companies so it was looking beyond irish borders and and it's like how do we you know give an injection of uh talent resource for these irish companies to grow their business abroad so the company i got working with in particular was um the cooley Cooley distillery which is now owned by jim beam um, and fantastic whiskies and but at that time was small in the world of whiskey um, or Irish whiskey was even small in the world of whiskey yeah. then and worked with them so that was where I really understood got to go from liking whiskey to understanding whiskey right like it's always people always ask you and or you've chatted to different whiskey ambassadors sure. oh yeah and I'm always very skeptical of um well I got into it because my grandfather liked it or introduced me I'm like if you hear me telling that story yeah. like Smack me around. That's that's not a true story. Um, because I never had the imagination. I liked whiskey, but I never had the imagination of thinking, oh, I can do this as my job. Right. Like, I like Snickers bars or Mars bars. <laughs> I don't think about, oh, I'm going to be the ambassador for Mars bars. Yeah. Ironically, so, you didn't like baby food and you said it, <laughs> you had to pedal that shit. Yeah. No, so, but you're right. Yeah, yeah. so that, that was my whiskey moment because you don't really, you rarely get to experience, like, tasting all these different whiskeys yeah. that's a rare thing unless you seek it out and so that was how i got into it and learning about and it's infectious you know the more you learn it takes you down a different tunnel and all you right. just 
consume more and more in terms of well, whiskey, but also in terms of the knowledge sure. of whiskey. They go hand in hand. Yeah. Luckily. Luckily. <laughs> so that, that was me getting into whiskey. Um, went over to uh, New York. Um, my first time really going. Actually, it was my first time going to the U.S. And started working the scene there. Firstly, on uh, doing research on coming up with private label Irish whiskey. So uh, th that was a big part of their business in Europe. So the idea was, oh, well, America's huge. Um, let's do that model over there. Right. But very quickly realized that actually very few grocery stores can legally sell whiskey. In fact, yeah. you can only do it in 14 oh, it's states. Yeah, very, very so cool. it wasn't really a viable thing. Uh, we did do a project, a cool project with Trader Joe's Irish whiskey. Cool. Um, so that was something I started. And that I started working on the brand side. So doing ambassadorial stuff on uh, Connemara, Green Ore, yeah. Kilbegan, Tyrconnell. And that that was really the my whiskey moment, if you will. So when you think about... Okay, so first thing is that we've been talking about this background, this tradition of your family and kind of getting into academia and now kind of introducing the whiskey while we're sipping Tullamore Dew, the yeah. first, the classic, the, <laughs> right? The, the original. The original. <laughs> yeah. You got to have the, like, that kind of gravelly <laughs> voice, right? The one that's been with us, the one that has really picked up so much traction in Austin particularly, man. I'd love mm. to see it, more and more people calling for it and shooting it at live rock shows. Yeah, yeah. That's a great fucking thing. Yeah. So... This is a brilliant whiskey, and I imagine as we talk about your maybe introduction into Tullamore Dew, mm -hmm. when you talk about being a brand ambassador, it seems like you got the intelligence to think about the psychology of things and how mm -hmm. perhaps people want to interact, what kinds of communication you should use, but do you fancy yourself someone that's pretty good in a crowd, pretty good to rally a group of people together? Yeah, it's funny, like I present, I'm not a presenter, but I present for my job. Yeah, right. That's how I describe it. And it comes with practice. I wouldn't have said yeah. I was necessarily a natural presenter. I, and I, what I like about being an ambassador right now is it's an extension of yourself. Yeah. If you do, if you do it right, right, or if you're lucky enough, it's an extension of yourself. And it's yourself dialed up to 10. And that, that's what's great about it for me. Like, I work with Tullamore Jew. I love Irish whiskey. I go to bars that I want to hang around in. Yeah. You know, it, it'd be a little bit different if, let's say, I was um, a Scotch ambassador. Sure. You know, I don't know if I want to go to steakhouses and tight, uptight whiskey bars, place. you know. Um, that's not who I am. So, like, I'm a big believer you can only probably ever work for like two brands three yeah. brands you know you're not going to see me peddling tequila anytime soon for lots of obvious <laughs> there's some reasons. cognitive dissonance i get just thinking about you yeah, drinking well, and pouring yeah. so it's i'm i'm very lucky in that sense of my work is just stuff i would do anyway yeah um i'm fanatic about irish pubs and i love irish whiskey as well and and i enjoy the bars that we work with uh where tullamore g works with too so it's it's an extension of self. Absolutely. That's kind of what it is. Given that the brand is, rather you are an extension of that brand, it runs through your bloods probably figuratively and literally, right? That is there a point in which you draw the line and say, my personal life, my personal business, if you will, that's coming out. That, that's, I'm, I'm not going to be revealing that. Because it seems like a dangerous road to teeter. Where does the brand 
begin and you end that kind of thing you know oh, what i mean it's a very blurred line <laughs> and and i like that um because that, that way you're passionate about it that way it's not a, an obstacle i probably more than most let that happen all the time yeah and um, like there wouldn't be a whole lot of barriers to that so i'm quite comfortable with letting that completely blur over yeah and um, like it affects you know when you go on holiday you know That's it's right. uh, or what you do on holiday like my last holiday was a whiskey holiday and <laughs> on a book i'm working on with a couple of friends we're working on an irish whiskey pub book Amazing. and so you know that's how I spend my holidays. You know, you could easily think I'm still working, right? <laughs> but you really do love it. Yeah, yeah, completely. Yeah. Uh, so it's, you know, the old cliched phrase of you know if you do something you love, you'll never work a day in your life. That's it's right. kind, it's kind of that, and um, and then a lot of the projects that I will work on kind of start off in the personal world, yeah, and kind of creep crawl their way into well, actually that works really well for Tully. Yeah, that's amazing. That's it's, that's what we'll do. So it's um, a it's a hell of a gig. It sounds like. Yeah, yeah. No, it is. It completely not, is. Not yeah. so bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good. You know, you talk about something like we were saying the mates in the portfolio. Hmm. Glenn Fittick, Dave. Yeah. This is like the thing he want to be a DJ and pedal scotch. Yeah. What the fuck? That's like if he was to write his own resume at fourteen. Like that was what it would have been. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so yeah. he gets to do this stuff, and it's so cool. Is that you guys, William Grantson, which I. For me, you know, these shows can be like about brands and like push this mm-hmm. product. But like, you guys have these brilliant minds, are really just fun people that yeah. embody the. They, it's like superheroes have that particular power, and it's like, yeah, they couldn't have any other power. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. They can shoot green arrows, or they can swim <laughs> underwater and breathe. Like each of you, this was like the talent, the superhero power you're supposed to have. Yeah, admittedly, you know, at the superhero convention, I stand out pretty poorly, but. Uh, <laughs> When it comes to that, yeah, it's it's an extension of self. It's what you want to do, yeah, uh, and you really get an opportunity to bring your ideas to the brand, mm. and and thankfully it makes it makes sense. We're just a good marriage. It really is. Huh? I'm a little em- envious here. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm thinking about um, just real quickly. I, I had a, a moment flash in my head where I said, "What am I doing with my career?" <laughs> Tim, help me get that. No, I'm kidding. So Tullamore Dew is a big piece of this chapter, and we mm-hmm. have some lovely bottles. We've been sipping the original 80 proof. The thing is easy. It's clean. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. What can we sip next? Actually, you know, when I think about the future, because I think about the past, present, future, when we, we have these yep. conversations, Cider Cask is innovation and future. So I'd like mm-hmm. to try that last as we talk about the future things. But this single malt, mm-hmm. right, which I've never had before. Yep. This is a 14-year-old at 41.3. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about this guy? Uh, this is a pretty good play toy that we have right now i'm so our 14 single malt it's single malt is kind of rare in the world of irish whiskey we do do it but we're not necessarily known for it and this can stand up against any irish single malt against any single malt period yeah uh what's really cool about this is we mature mature it and finish it in four different types of casts which i'm very interested yeah which so casts that have held bourbon port sherry and madeira nice so it's a real collection of it's an aroma of flavor like sultry man yeah it's well it needs a second sip because there's so much happening there that you'll get so much on the the first sip you'll revisit it and you might pick up the madeira cask influence whereas the first time you might get the bourbon and port and it it's a lot happening in this glass yeah it's like a fruit bowl um i like that that you're diving into so so should we share a sip of this are we able to yeah definitely 
Because I this is one of those things, man. Because I've, I've tealing is another. They actually make a single malt as well, and it's yeah. an exciting category that's growing. You know. Yeah, and that's what's happening with Irish whiskey right now. Like open. 1975, you had two distilleries in Ireland. That's crazy. We're the country that invented whiskey. Yeah. And we had just two distilleries. Um, but now we're going to have 29, 30 distilleries. That's so that's pretty explosive growth. That's brilliant. Um, so you're starting to see a lot of new whiskeys, whether it's old traditions revived, old brands revived, old distilleries revived, yeah. or it's... Um, or it's uh, brand spanking new distilleries that have never had a history or pedigree in it. But what it means is you're getting lots of different changes in liquids. So yeah. Cidercast, which we'll chat about later, is an example of that. Um, but even this, like it's a forecast, maturation, and finish. So that Whoa. wasn't happening. So I just took the first smell on this, and I'm like, holy shit, man. Yeah. This actually reminds me of the countryside. It has a very kind of like farmy smell to it, mm-hmm. which is brilliant. Yeah. It reminds me of French stuff. Yeah. And all grows up in bourbon casks, so you get that honey vanilla note. Yeah. And then at the end of its life, let's say, uh, we'll then take some of that liquid and finish it in port pipes. That would typically be four to six months. We'll take other uh, liquid and put that into sherry butts, again, four to six months. Then we'll take another component of that liquid and finish it in Madeira drums for two to three months. The Madeira imparts flavor or sorry, the Madeira cask imparts flavor quite quickly. So we only do that for two to three months. And then we vat it all together uh, at the end. And you get this 14-year-old single malt, which if I was to give a one-word description, it's a, well, it's more than one word. It's our pineapple whiskey. It's very fresh, bright. Uh, it's like biting into juicy, fresh pineapple. You know, it is, but you, there's this cool element. There's this funk there. Mm-hmm. There's a slight straw-like funk. You know that you get in brilliant French cheeses. Now, this yeah. sometimes in mezcal that comes from like lactic fermentation or whatever. Mm-hmm. But this is so much. Mm-hmm. This is a thinking piece. Because, yeah. you know, uh, I think to its credit, and maybe some people may criticize Irish whiskey for this, but totally the original, the traditional, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's easy. Mm-hmm. You know it. It's mm-hmm. familiar. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to challenge you. But this is like, okay, Tully's going to make a concept record. Yeah. <laughs> you're gonna have to listen to all 10 songs even if it's 80 minutes long yep. you know what i mean like this is really a thinking piece and when you take it out and have people taste it what are some of the things that they give you in terms of feedback yeah uh, a lot of fresh fruits is what we yeah. get um and it's interesting we have a tullamore g 18 year old mm. single malt and it's the same cask program uh, but it completely changes you get more dark fruits, berries, yeah. dried fruits as well, whereas this is more on the brighter side. Yeah, crisp um, for sure. Yeah, and it's it's just everything Irish whiskey should be in terms of, yes, it has that friendliness, uh, but if you're making smooth and friendly, that's just dull and boring. That's right. bland. Yeah. And uh, this is packed up with that boatload of flavor. Right. Uh, Maybe attractive, but forecasts. this is getting to know Tim. <laughs> right, <laughs> this is diving into the mind and the nuance and the complexities of mm-hmm. man himself. I like that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna steal that. Yeah. <laughs> so as we sip this 14 years brilliant mm. single malt, tell me how you met Tully. Tell me how you got introduced. Yeah, so I would have like my whiskey moments really started in the U.S. Yeah. Uh, so when I was with Cooley, um, I was getting to know Tully. I'd always known what it was. Um, but now I had an appreciation for whiskey. Sure. 
now I was kind of looking at that um, in different ways. So I got to know Tully when I was in the US. And then when I left the world of whiskey and um, moved back to Ireland and started working with the family business, whiskey was the passion, the hobby. Yeah. Uh, so I was collecting whiskey. I was going to whiskey events and just really, in, like, still enjoy it. But I was really, right. really enjoying the whole whiskey discovery. And um, and I had no intention of going back into the world of whiskey. I was like, oh, it was good to me. But, you know, now is time to work with dad and build this exceptional egg empire right. together. <laughs> and I didn't really have any intentions of looking for another job. Um, but during the whiskey circuit, if you will, when I was living in New York, sure. I bumped into a couple of guys and girls at Balvini Glenfiddich. Yeah. And William Grant acquired Tullamore Jew uh, back in 2010. And one day I was like, huh, right, maybe I'll just kind of threw my name in the hat. Yeah. It was uh, way back in February and I didn't really think about it. And got called up for interviews, phone interviews, stuff like this, and went along with it, but wasn't really... You still weren't probably thinking, like, I probably won't get it. Yeah, I I didn't think I'd I'd ever get it because I didn't think I'd bumped into, like, these megastar Glenfiddich Balvini ambassadors, Hendrix ambassadors, uh, who had this pedigree, this history and track record, whether it was bartending or working at distilleries or all this kind of stuff. So I completely wrote myself off. I didn't tell my parents... That I was doing this because why would I bring that up if you there's didn't. not a chance of getting it? Sure. Why would I upset my parents in that way? Yeah, it's like introducing a girl to them that you know you're going to break up with. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. Like you, like, you just you're, you're break- the master of metaphors and similes. <laughs> that's that's, that's brilliant. It. Yeah. So I, and it just kind of escalated, escalated. Then like I was starting. I remember my first kind of proper interview. So I was delivering eggs uh, in the Eggmobile, so this bright yellow van. Did uh, you have a uniform? Please tell me you had a uniform. Uh, we didn't. Oh, we didn't. Is that like yeah. a hat or anything? No, no. Oh, and man. like, yeah, I know you're expecting chicken Yeah, kind of yeah. like a milkman hat or something. But, uh, <laughs> so delivering eggs and I go up to the Tullamore offices and like get changed in the back of the egg van for the interview <laughs> and uh, go in, do the interview and, you know, had a couple more interviews after that. But eventually I had to tell my parents, listen, funny thing happened <laughs> somebody's gonna fly me over to new york for an interview <laughs> with this whiskey brand yeah. crazy and um yeah it happened parents were really supportive because it's a difficult thing yeah. and yeah it i didn't realize how much fun i'd have with this or i didn't realize i didn't realize how good i'd be at this yeah. and yeah tully's been perfect like it's been a lot of fun um and I really couldn't have done this with another Irish whiskey, I right. think, is, is what's pretty key. Like, uh, like I grew with Tully as Tully was growing with me. Um, I, I, was, I was terrible when I started. Terrible. Um, what made you terrible? Oh, just, it's a very weird job to know what, how you're getting on. Yeah. And I guess it was, you know, we talk about an, an extension of self or you're just being yourself. I didn't have the confidence in myself mm. to know that, yeah, I'm doing a good job here. You're just constantly trying to do better. Right. And so, Because yeah. you would have been just over 25, 25 right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was just 25. That's a, I mean, that's an age where you don't really know a lot yet. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're not jaded on the world just yeah. yet. 
Oh, but like I think a lot of it was moving to America. Like I didn't know where I was going. Yeah. Um, looking at skyscrapers in New York and being like genuinely, wow, this is cool. Yeah. Um, I don't want to paint a picture of egg farm to big city, but it, it, <laughs> the novel's coming out soon. Yeah, the, That's the, a brilliant the, title. The, <laughs> <laughs> um, small, small egg to big apple. Yeah. <laughs> But it, it was a lot to take in. Like, yeah. um, Ireland and America have a lot of similarities, sure. but, but there, there are contrasts to it. So there was kind of a couple of that new job. And it took a while to get used to. Um, but yeah. We, Did you have like, a, so one, you said your folks were very, very supportive. Yeah. And it was never bittersweet. They were always really wanted uh, There was a couple of moments on that. Like it was always like, listen, we'll support you, but we really don't want you to go. <laughs> Like, and here's why. <laughs> so, yeah. So now, six years later, how do they feel? Oh, it's it's much better than, let's say, when it was like Cause there's year one, year two, there, year three. Right? Yeah, yeah. When you came to the States, did you have much of a support system? People uh, that you were hanging out with, people that you knew? Yeah, like, you'd have people at work that would support in that way. But you do have to figure it out for yourself. Yeah. Like, I didn't know people, but that was possibly a strength in terms of it forces you to go out and meet people. Right. And... You're quite happy to be in Chicago versus New York because they're all equally as foreign. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it was just about getting out there and getting to meet people. And you know, when you're in the world of whiskey, it's pretty easy to do that. Sure. Um. Yeah. So it's a, it was a great city to get to know New York, or a great country to get to know. That's a um, thing. America. So yeah, I can now say I've been to all fifty states. No shit. Yeah. Which is the most dismal. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I got my answer, but I haven't even been there. You've actually probably been to this state. Oh, no, genuinely, I've been to all 50 <laughs> no, states. No, I totally believe yeah. you. Um, I did, what was it, two years ago? 50 states in 30 days in the search for America's best Irish pubs oh, on St. Patrick's Day. Were you in the bus? Uh, no, this is, the bus wouldn't have been able to do that in 30 days. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, that's a hell of a tour. Yeah, yeah. it, it gets Skinner's pretty bus. stuck on Hawaii and Alaska, so... <laughs> Um yeah, it was rapid, it was fast. Uh, there's phenomenal pubs around America. Oh yeah. There's some bad ones too. Sure. Um but there's some weird and wonderful ways of celebrating St. Patrick's Day. Like the ones that stick out the most are um New London, Wisconsin. They have a tradition where it started off with four guys that would dress up in leprechauns okay. outfits and change all of New London signs to New Dublin the week of St. Patrick's Day. Oh, that's clever. Started off as a prank. And then the city, I guess, or the town said, actually, no, we're going to do this all the time. So they legally changed their name to New Dublin. Really sucks if you're a trucker who's looking for New London (laughs) and just assumes because he's in New Dublin, it must be nearby. And it's like, man, I I might be an enemy here in New Dublin. I'm just looking for New London. Yeah, sat-nav is going mental. It's like you're here. Um... So yeah, it's that was nuts. Um, Arkansas, Hot Springs, Arkansas, the world's shortest St. Patrick's Day parade. Really, Not, shortage is like people are short, or it's just duration wise. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's neither uh, height or duration. It's See? distance. Oh, so it's ninety-two feet long. Thirty thousand people come out to watch this spectacle, and I had the. Honor, pleasure, and privilege of being the Grandmaster, no, not the Grandmaster General, the uh, Toastmaster General uh, of the parade. Wow. Last year. And yeah, 30,000 people attend this. Uh, it's just 92 feet short. And yeah. it, it's the world's shortest St. Patrick's Day parade. 
Uh, last year it was hosted by Alfonso Ribeiro, uh, better known as Carlton Banks, That's right? And pro wrestling legend Ric Flair. Ric uh, Flair was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you hang out with Ric Flair? Yeah, I, I kind of half know his daughter in a weird way. No, that's extending that. Uh, I, you were what, drunk and had relations. I get it. That's no. half knowing. <laughs> <laughs> no, a friend of mine's a, a pro wrestler and she's very good friends with uh, both Ric Flair and his daughter, Charlotte. So. That's brilliant. So yeah. 92 feet. So given that that is such a short distance, mm -hmm. do you have to make every drink really count? <laughs> <laughs> so it's So they have like a mile long, you know, get ready, but we're only playing our instruments we're I only see. marching okay, in okay. this 92 foot area it's a place called bridge street mm. and it's it's a bridge and uh it's 92 feet long so that's where the action happens mm. it happens on bridge street um and they've had to fight off uh competitors before really so i think it was boulder colorado uh threatened to do just 90 feet and they're like, oh. this is the pettiest argument, almost yeah. literally the pettiest yeah. <laughs> of arguments. No, we're going to be shorter. Yeah. No. So that they activated their doomsday device. They're like, well, listen, if you do do that, we're going to be forced to march on the spot. And we'll have like a one foot, call it a one centimeter parade, whatever yeah. it is. And we they'll will, send Ric Flair over. We, we will do that. <laughs> and eventually the Boulder Parade died out. And they no, actually, they both decided, okay, we'll both be the shortest. We'll both do 92 feet. And they agreed on that. And the Boulder one died out um so yeah you want the world's shortest st patrick's day parade you go to hot springs arkansas this is maybe for the 17th annual st patrick's day this is fucking bro I, yeah. we could put this on the discovery channel this is like <laughs> a travel show right now this is an amazing yeah. thing rick flair showed up yeah that hair man That's and brilliant and to keep it kind of uh his hometown um charlotte north carolina he's from charlotte i didn't know that he spent time there yeah um i i think he lives in atlanta now yeah uh but charlotte north carolina is host to the world's largest pub crawl and it's a saint patrick's day pub crawl uh twenty three thousand people show yeah. up for that and yeah it's the world's biggest pub crawl that's and amazing again i have the chance to be the toastmaster general of the world's uh largest pub crawl so thankless job you've got tim it's, it's, no yeah. one recognizes you. you get, <laughs> there's no traction. I'm breaking world records, uh, like all over the place. Like world's shortest St. Patrick's Day parade, yeah. uh, largest uh, pub crawl, and to complete the trifecta, the trilogy of world records, uh, myself and the fine folks in Fido, Chicago, have the honor of having done the world's biggest Irish coffee. I've seen that. Yeah. Did anybody get into it? Like literally jump into it. Um, I got into the empty glass uh, okay. to, to actually to clean it. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah. That's the, and, that. There you go. Thankless for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, got a good photo out of it That's too. A good point, yeah, yeah. two hundred thirty-four gallons of Irish coffee goodness. Thirty-four gallons. Yeah, that's a brilliant thing. Yeah. So for all our metric fans out there, uh, that's I think eight hundred eighty-five liters. Roughly, yeah, just yeah. under nine hundred liters. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. Do sweet. you have a fascination with wrestling? Is this uh, something that, uh, that I picked up on maybe on social media? Or is this uh, I'm a massive pro wrestling fan. Okay, uh, okay. Uh, that's what uh, I thought. And, you know, liked it as a kid. Um, but my friend, uh, Rebecca, she's uh, a wrestler with WWE. Yeah. Wow. Um, and when she got up and coming and kind of got me back into it, because um, we chat about it and stuff like that. So she goes under Becky Lynch. Uh, like she's 
wrestled at WrestleMania. She's won the women's title. Yeah. Um, has she won? I think she has. Yeah. Uh, I'm really revealing myself as a bad. Fan no, I like this. But, this is uh, good. Yeah, we, you're a horrible person. We, we would. <laughs> you're a good judge of character, <laughs> and we would have wrestling conversations on her like character and finishing maneuvers oh, and all that's this amazing. Kind of stuff. So she's doing unbelievably well. Like she's on uh, Raw, SmackDown, yeah. different pay per views all the time, and she's like you think. I travel. She's traveling all the time. That's incredible. So yeah, I'd be into my pro wrestling to tune in to see how my friend is doing. Yeah. Amazing. So then I have to ask you, I just watched They Live again for like the 10th time and mm-hmm. Rowdy Roddy Piper, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Of course. Favorite 80s wrestler for WWF? Well, I got into wrestling much later. So okay. I'd be, I'd, I was a big 90s guy. Yeah. Uh, oh, some great 90s. Yeah. Uh, so Undertaker. Undertaker. Yeah. In 610. That dude's massive. Yeah. That Texan fella. Yeah. yeah oh, yeah. yeah. He, I saw so, him one time buying blank CDs at Best Buy when I worked there. Right. The Undertaker came in. <laughs> Everybody notices that guy. Yeah. Even at a costume. Yeah. So I was massive. a big Undertaker fan and then more recently a CM Punk fan. Yeah. Um, but I got. Becky Lynch have to be has to be Becky Lynch. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. In this last six years, before we talk about kind of the future in this last mm-hmm. chapter, how has the perception of Irish whiskey changed? Um, I think my best way of putting that is when I first came over, you may have guessed I spent a lot of time in Irish pubs. So I would go to Irish pubs around the US and you'd see maybe two or three Irish whiskeys. Yeah. Like, what was pretty crazy is there was a better single malt scotch selection mm. than there were Irish whiskeys in an Irish pub. So, like, that's like a French restaurant having more Italian food mm-hmm. than it does French. Um, and, yeah, that that's still probably the case today, but it, it's changing. It's yeah. changing a lot. And um, people are very, very curious about what's happening with Irish whiskey. Like... They're curious. They know there's stuff happening, and there's all these different distilleries, and there's all these different liquids being done, and brands revived or started, and but nobody's kind of wrapped their head around. Well, tell me why I'm so excited about this. Mm. So people are getting to fall in love with Tullamore Jew and the original. Uh, See, but if you you know you're going to do that every time now. Oh yeah, I think it was born here. We got to take credit for this, Jack, Tim, and I. So. People are now beginning to expand beyond that. So they're diving into our single malts, like our 14-year-old single malt, yeah. or they're looking at pot still Irish whiskey as well. Mm. So it's really a journey uh, that is come a long way, but it's really in its infancy. It's just beginning. Um, Do you feel responsible at all for advancing that? Dialogue? I will take all of the credit, even the undue <laughs> credit there. Yeah, so... I think in time to come, people will look back at it as the Tullamore Tim era. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, credit me with like, why did that distillery open? Oh, well, it it, it was in the the Tullamore (laughs) Tim era. So, yeah. There was the bronze era and then there was the Tim era. That's it. Yeah, yeah. So, it's... So yeah, the the third golden age of Irish whiskey. Yeah, it's 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 great to be a part of it. If, uh, just some at some point, I got to see your wand because you've obviously just casted the spell on this modern age of yeah, Irish whiskey. Oh, it's great that I'm letting it happen. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> wouldn't have happened otherwise. Yeah, <laughs> government. No, no, you're no, the man. No, no. Um, so, but yeah, it's it really is exciting what's happening uh, because like, 
more and more distilleries, more liquids, yeah. uh, but more different types of whiskey. I think well. that's amazing. And I think that's a great transition as we talk about. This is the newest, right? The Cider County. Yeah, th- this is just fresh out last month in, in Texas. So what's cool about this is uh, it's the world's, I used to think it was just Ireland's first, but yeah. it's actually a world first, uh, Cider Cast Finnish Whiskey. Uh, so what we do is um, we take fresh, uh, we take Irish apples, uh, we press them, and we have apple juice. We then season the cask with the apple juice. Mm-hmm. That wild ferments and becomes cider in the cask. So we'll have that season the cask for three months. We'll then disgorge it, send the cider back to the cidery, um, and they use it, whereas we put our Tullamore Dew into uh, the cider cask, and it takes on all those flavors, and we let that happen again for three months, and voila, at the end of it, you have Tullamore Juice Cider Cask. It's not only innovative, but it's mm. kind of, it's pays homage to the things you would drink in a pub. Yeah. Right? Like, because I, I don't care for lager much, but I mm-hmm. love cider mm-hmm. and whiskey. And Beautiful thing. What's really cool about it is it's like an old new thing. Yeah. Like, you know, whiskey was try- like, insider cast before back in the day yeah and what i what i really like about it is if you're not everyone drinks port sherry madeira right you know their kind of maybe first experience of that is probably a finished whiskey that has used something like that yeah and if you're most drinkers have a good understanding or expectation on what cider cast whiskey will taste like or they have an intrigue you know they're like, oh, yeah, I drink cider all the time or, you know, I, I know what cider tastes like. So it's really interesting to do that. And I think this whiskey is like biting into like a spiked apple. Dude. Um, so so here, here's the interesting mm. thing. Love Calvados, love apple brandy. Love yeah. it to death, right? Yeah. However, the thing is, is that it gets so rounded and mellowed out that mm-hmm. the crispness and that bite, the tart kind of mm-hmm. crisp of an apple, you lose it a little bit. Yeah. Now, this does something that no apple brandy I've ever had does. Mm-hmm. And that is, it kind of foregoes the kind of the softer notes of apples. And all you get is that mm-hmm. acidic bite, which is just absolutely brilliant. And I because it was the first time I heard it was out, I was at Nickel City the other night. And I mm-hmm. said, let me get a Jack Rose with this. It yeah. was far superior to the original because it really tastes of apple. Awesome. It's a brilliant thing. And then you have that nice, soft creaminess from the grain, you know. Mm-hmm. So this is a really exemplary example of mm-hmm. how to push the category forward. Mm-hmm. What are people saying about this when you're out and about? Oh, people are loving it. Crazy, uh, our biggest problem is we have a limited amount of it. Oh, no. Uh, so because, I didn't know that. Well, because we're dependent on the apple harvest yeah. uh, in Ireland, we can't do it until we've had another harvest. And... Um, so this will be like a seasonal release, if you like, and um, but we we will have more of it for next year. But it's a it's a gem. It's yeah. different, and it's kind of it's interesting in a way because yes, you get that apple note to it for sure. Yeah. But I think you're also picking up the fermentation aspect to it yes. that's happening because fizz is the wrong word, but you kind of get that's this, a great word. I I mm. think that's a great word to describe it. It's that just what it might feel as it percolates on your tongue. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, so fizz is the right word, as I was saying. <laughs> you get this um, liveliness to it. Yeah. Like, it's not pepperiness, but it's kind of, it's definitely a mouthfeel. Mm. And there's a lot happening with it. 
and as those Apple notes uh, appear. Um, so, I use the word electric sometimes. Mm -hmm. Neon, right? Because it's so vibrant mm -hmm. and it's crisp and it's almost like blinding and how bold and kind of crisp and zingy it is. You know? Yeah. This is just, it's a remarkable thing. And as weird as this thought is, if you only could use eggs in a cask. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, I think I know you get some eggs and it seems like they're around all year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, our hands lay, <laughs> lay three six five yeah see someday maybe that's the next step in innovation yeah it'd have to be fresh egg we don't want that rotten egg <laughs> smell yeah do you see this category even going further with innovation yeah. different blends and things yeah and if you look at irish whiskey regulation so if you look at the boring stuff the the laws of it um it's got enough flexibility, more flexibility than Scotch does. And I'll give you two examples of what makes Irish whiskey, just by definition, an innovative uh, category. Yeah. Uh, one is we do a whiskey style that nobody else in the world does. Uh, it's a whiskey style called pot still whiskey. Yeah. So it's that combination of malted and unmalted barley. If you're in, we spend a lot of time talking about single malt. And this is a category that has germinated and ungerminated barley. So any red breast, green spot fans out there, yeah, th stuff. this is that style. And that style gives you this creamy mouth texture. It's thick, it's fatty, yeah. but it also has this spice and pepperiness to it. And sure. um, really, really interesting. And no other whiskey category does that style. And that's quintessential Irish whiskey. That is, uh, I'll be brief on this, but this comes about, from when we were under British rule, yeah. uh, they wanted to put a tax on yeah. Irish whiskey. Yeah. And they started off by putting a tax on the size of your stills. We just used smaller stills. <laughs> uh, so they tried again. It's like, what did they need to make whiskey? It's like, oh, they use malted barley. Yeah. And we were like, okay, let's try this, a mix of a mash bill of malted and unmalted. And the good news was it avoided the tax. The exceptional news was it created this new style of whiskey. Yeah, um, a delicious one at that. Exactly. So we do pot still whiskey. So if you're in Scotland, you have grain, you have malt as individual components or as a blend. Right. Uh, in Ireland, we have a third um, style of whiskey of grain, malt, and pot still. Yeah. And that's what Tullamore Jew, the original, <laughs> is, is made of, uh, all three styles. So Amazing automatically you have more combinations and permutations there to play with. Another example of that is if you're in talking about American whiskey, Scotch, Japanese, you're going to hear about oak yeah. a lot. We talk about how up to 70% of a whiskey's flavor comes from the cask it's been matured in. That can mean oak species, um, and it can also mean what that cask has held before, whether it's rum, Port, Madeira, right. whatever. So there's a lot of combinations there to dictate flavor. Uh, we have an additional element, as in Irish whiskey needs to be matured for a minimum of three years in new wood. Wood. That's wood. It. Nice. So now we're not going to be using softwoods because we don't. Balsa want wood would be the worst. <laughs> <laughs> but we can use um, hardwoods. Uh, so stuff like cherry woods yeah. and. So that that's actually a kind of a new thing, um, as we've been defining Irish whiskey as a as an island, and yeah. uh, we've decided new wood. So, taste wise, we can 
Now, some new wood might be terrible. Sure. <laughs> but, but you don't know unless you try. And that's exactly. the great thing is that it's a frontier you can explore. Yeah, so we're going to be looking at that. Or we've already looked. Well, no, we're under the be, age uh, of Tim, obviously. Uh, yeah, yeah. Once you say it's okay. Yeah, exactly. Got, so um, they're all looking towards me right now. <laughs> and yeah, uh, new wood is a, is a flavor driver that only Irish whiskey has. Yeah. Um, that's amazing and I, I don't mean new oak I mean new wood sure in, yeah, um, yeah so th- but think about that that can escalate like what if it's ash that has held sherry before right or what does ash that has held sherry taste like when it's um, held rum or right. the different species of ash so it's it's endless like it, it really is. is so they're just two examples of the potential liquid innovation that could come from Ireland and it's it's going to be a very innovative time in the, the second golden era of uh, Tim's era. That's right. Of Irish whiskey. As long as you say it's okay. As long as I say it's okay. <laughs> so, yeah. The dawning of another brilliant <laughs> whiskey era. Yeah. Well, as we kind of kind of wrap and we talk about the future, obviously there's flexibility in just the category and the classifications of Irish whiskey, which makes me excited. There was one that had that had this particular Irish oak species. Yeah, it was probably Middleton Dark Gaelic. That's exact. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. So it's like yeah. just different and you're kind of exploring these new things mm-hmm. with the whiskey. The cider cask, I mean, this is brilliant. A new expression, yeah. something I never even would have thought. Mm-hmm. For you being, well, this is the, the era of Tim, the age of Tim. You've had this great stint. Yep. Told him we do thus far, six years and counting. Where can, I can't imagine where you, seems like there is no limit to where you can go and what you can do. Is there a next step for you that's really clear? And there's, I get asked this question and I'm like, there, there is no next position. Yeah. And my kind of focus has been evolving my current role. Yeah. And, and I continue for that or seeing that happen. So like one of the, and I'm very project driven. So yeah. one of my, my big projects right now is working on an Irish whiskey book. And yeah, so myself and uh, my friends from the Dead Rabbit Pub in Jack New York, McGarry, right. Jack McGarry and Sean Muldoon, uh, we've been basically touring Ireland this year, uh, visiting different, disti- well, every distillery there is. Amazing. Uh, and we're also working on traditional old school, the hidden gem pubs in Ireland as well. Yeah. Um, so it's an Irish whiskey pub book it's going to be titled from Bar- barley to blarney a whiskey lover's guide to ireland clever cheeky bastard <laughs> <laughs> and yeah so that, that's a big project in terms of you know shining a light on irish whiskey as a whole and yeah. um, but also you know making it easy when you go to ireland give me something i'm not going to experience anywhere else in the world yeah. what makes an irish pub so special let me go see that so um that's that's a big project and that's how i'll evolve the role a bit more um and just pushing the boundaries of whether it's irish whiskey ambassadorship and helping others become great ambassadors yeah. too and that's a, a mentor big, of sorts yeah um that's a, a big part of my world right now and you know there's so much left to do like yeah there's like when it comes to working on irish whiskey drinks yeah we don't have that many. We have Tipperary's, we have the Irish coffee, and even the Irish coffee. Like, we need to raise the Irish coffee game yeah. in Ireland. And so we'll be doing a bit of work on that. But, you know, just finding different drinks to showcase yeah. Tullamore Dewin is going to be a big project. But, yeah, it's 
there's a, a lot more to sense. come. These are um, lo logical expansions mm -hmm. of the role. So two yeah. questions left. This is it. Yeah. You guys, where are you headed after this, by the way? You got more some more education to do? Or just get to hang out? And uh, We're going to be experiencing the best of Austin bars. Yeah. Yeah. That's the... Uh, so I'm here till Sunday morning. Oh, so that's uh, a long track for you, then. Yeah, yeah. I've always, whenever I've been in Austin, it's been like a in day, now, two yeah. days. Uh, this will be my longest stint. Uh, so one of the things I'm going to is Longhorns game. Nice. Uh, looking forward to that. My first American college football experience. Amazing. So um, and then after that, I'll be I'll be back to New York on on Sunday. Amazing yeah. stuff. Well, so the first of the two is you know you talk about expansion of your role, right? Yeah. But you're 31 now. Things change we we change we get tired of traveling yeah we get tired of drinking as much but not, <laughs> but not entirely what about family and that piece and settling down is that something that's on your radar too um it's a while away um but yeah you know you begin to think that way too uh i feel like this is basically going to lead to me setting up a like a bumble profile um <laughs> uh, but it's yeah continuing to do the things i love but you know you want to do that with with people i think yeah. as you get older you definitely like are more precious of your time and who you spend your time with so i'm lucky enough that i have great friends yeah. and it's just like spending more time with them and you know doing the things that we love and just different experiences really going out of your way to make sure you have an experience that you want to whether it's visiting somewhere and yeah. just making time for the things that you want to do yeah so. it's a really important thing mm. very important value to have mm. All right, so last question. Perhaps someone's asked you this, perhaps not. But I ask every guest the same okay. question. Get some good answers here. You are sipping, we'll make it more specific. So we're going to be, you're sipping the 14-year single malt in any bar in the world. Mm -hmm. Who would you love to just sit there and sip and have a conversation with? Anybody living or deceased? Hmm. Well, we did mention my wrestling fandom. It'd be dangerous to drink with The Undertaker, I think. I'm more thinking really Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Oh, dude. Yeah. 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 But he'd probably be more cracked than I am, so he'd probably take away from me. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's got to be him. Like, You've got to imagine you have some good stories coming out of him. The future um, president of the United States. Yeah. Yeah. It's... Um, yeah. Him, but there's some that that's tough. There's some musicians. There's some, uh, well, for me, soccer players as well. But yeah, let's let's go with the most electrifying man in all of entertainment. He we'll really go with is the Rock Johnson. Yeah. When people think about the single trait that they vote on mm -hmm. for a president, it is: Do I want to have a drink with this guy? Yeah. Absolutely. It's a rock, dude. Yeah. Ballers season two. I know. It was amazing. Season three, even, I think. But the, the fear is he mightn't actually be that much fun. And what do you think he would drink? Tequila. Tequila. Like he does in Ballers, actually. Yeah, he okay. drinks Don. Uh, no, no, he drinks Milagro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, this has been, man, in the making. I think we've tried to make this happen for months mm -hmm. now and caught each other real brief the last time in your stint mm -hmm. in Austin. And been just a pleasure sipping through Tully with you, talking about life, talking about wrestling, yeah. talking about the fucking era of Tim. 
<laughs> there should be a comma in there somewhere because it's not a fucking error for you. It's just like an error. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's been brilliant, man. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your stay in Austin. And we have to keep in touch. And hopefully we'll get to visit you in Ireland. And we'll Let's make that happen. Yeah. It'd be lovely. Yeah. Thanks so much, Tim. Brilliant. Thank you. Well, there we have it. Mr. Ireland himself, Mr. Tim Hurley he of Tullamore Dew, talking about his life, talking about kind of a lot of interesting things about Tim's rise to fame, moving to New York, kind of being in small town Ireland, agricultural farmer, and then somehow now is an amazing personality in the face of Irish whiskey. We tried the cider cask rested. We tried the rum cask rested, which is recently released. We tried that in San Antonio and lots of great things. You know, Tullamore Dew just shares that barrel flavor and whatever it comes into contact with so it was brilliant to finally sit down with him and now you know we've got saint patrick's day just this weekend what better time to think about irish whiskey like tullamore do like teeling whiskey as well and it's a great category and a fun fun time to enjoy it so thanks everybody for listening to show to v with mike g no matter how many seasons you have left of parks and rec and are really sad that it's going to end or if you're thinking man Ready Player One is just about to hit theaters. Is it as good as people just said this week at South by Southwest Film Festival 2018? I don't know. But please, keep dancing.